Hello, everyone. Today, I had the chance to speak with CEO of Kleena, Kevin Tang. Kleena is a Boston University and MIT hardware startup that manufactures innovative toilet seats that are designed to stay cleaner in public spaces. Kevin and his three co-founders have won a number of competitions in the Boston area, including BU's 2020 New Venture Competition, and raised over $400,000 from investors. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kevin about how to find co-founders for your startup. How do you identify the right skill set for your team? How do you find and reach out to these individuals? How do you integrate and inspire them to join your team? This is our very first episode, and it was recorded at Pod 617 Studios, also known as the Boston Podcast Network. If you want to reach out or create your own podcast, reach out to Dave or go to their website at pod617.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Dorado, and welcome to Hey Founded, a show dedicated to providing young entrepreneurs with practical insights into creating and growing their startup or project. We feature Boston's premier entrepreneurs and founders to share the nitty-gritty details of how they began and grew their venture. This podcast is intended for any individual interested in learning more about startups, entrepreneurship, or growing their venture. Whether you have never thought about business before or have already built a team and raised funding for your venture, there's something here for everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Absolute pleasure. Happy to be here. As you know, I had the opportunity to work on your venture during a majority of my sophomore year. I learned a ton and a big reason for why I'm in so much into startups today. I'd really love to talk to you about your co-founders, how you found them, and how you were able to build up your team. But first of all, would you mind just telling everyone a little bit about your business? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Kevin Tang, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Kleena Incorporated. We're a BU and MIT hardware company where we design innovative commercial toilet seats designed to stay cleaner in public spaces. We've been running this business for about three years now. I started it my freshman year um, and now we have about three co-founders. We've won a number of different competitions and uh, yeah, we've raised around $400,000 in funding from angel investors and whatnot. And we're really excited to be rolling out our first product this fall, and we'll be testing with, with a lot of really important Boston institutions like Fenway Park, Boston Logan Airport, and the New England Patriots. So really excited for that. That's great. You know, every time I tell someone about what you're doing, the product that you're making, the first thing that people always say is like, that's, why didn't I think of that? So that's, that's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you mind telling me a little bit about your co-founders and how you were able to build out this team? Yeah, definitely. So just to start, um, you know, Kleena is first and foremost a hardware venture. So, you know, whereas a lot of other ventures, you're really looking for coders or designers or whatnot. We were looking for mechanical engineers, you know, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, if we kind of go down the list of our co-founders, it, it kind of reflects that. So right now we have three partners total. We have myself, we have another uh, business-focused co-founder named Andy Chang, and then we have two technical mechanical engineers. One is named Richard Lee. He's from a master's student at MIT. And then uh, Max Punanov, who's a mechanical engineer at Boston University. And I, I know you have, a, you have another business development co-founder, correct? Yeah. So yeah, that's Andy. So he's also a graduate at Boston University. He graduated a, a year before me. Would, would you mind just explaining a little bit like what stage was the business in when you decided to bring these co-founders in? Yeah, definitely. So from the very beginning of our company, we've had 
a number of co-founders. Uh, and I actually think in general, if you're trying to start a, a venture, it's really important that you have someone to, to work with you on it or multiple people. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Y Combinator, which is one of the most acclaimed startup accelerators in the world, they released a data statistic, which basically just said the number of single founders out there is really small. Like, you know, 80 to 90% of all ventures that actually go on to raise a seed round or a series A have two to five different founders, you know, right? So looking at that, we, we kind of have always had founders from the very beginning. So I guess now that you have two engineers and then you have two business development co-founders, including yourself, I'm just kind of curious, what made you decide that you needed uh, another person who wasn't technical on the team? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So I would just say at the current moment, there's actually so much work that mm-hmm. I can't personally handle all of it. It does pay to have a little bit of redundancy and whatnot, right? You don't want too much of that, but it's not bad to have one other person that kind of serves in your in your function. Yeah. But I would say one of the real benefits that you know there are in, in like let's just say having two non-technical business co-founders is that we have a lot of different perspectives on issues that we run in the same issues we run into on a daily basis. So, mm-hmm. you know, what should our marketing materials look like? How should we approach this person and whatnot? And, you know, of course, there's two other co-founders who are engineering and technical, but they don't necessarily have the same focus and skill in kind of like approaching these issues. And having someone else there who can kind of say, hey, I really agree with that. I like it. Or someone who says, like, I hate that. We should really think about it twice is is really, really valuable. And um, frankly, I'm like, I don't think this will happen now with our venture. But in the case of someone leaves, it's nice to have a little bit of redundancy in your two key areas for us being sales and marketing and then engineering. It's nice to have, you know, yeah. some additional one. support on the team. Exactly. It's, it's important. Um, and so you have two engineers you mentioned. How are you sort of able to decide what kind of specific technical expertise you needed for your business? And why did these technical people need to be co-founders? So that's actually that's actually a really important question. So like I guess my bit on team building, mm-hmm. right? It's really important that you have a co-founder who specializes in what you're trying to do. You know, I think a lot of ventures are started by we'll say a non-technical person, a business guy who has a really cool idea, but from there it's it once again it's important that you have someone that can do what you're trying to do. So like if you're trying to design be a website designer, you're trying to have some sort of software or enterprise software venture, it's important that you have a coder. In our case, we're building physical toilet seats with a very intricate mechanism in them. It was essential that we had people with a mechanical engineering background. I would say like in addition to that, I mean like even if you want to say like let's say we're looking for a co-founder that has quote unquote coding experience or a person with quote unquote engineering experience, it's also really important to look further and say you know, what exactly are going to, are they going to be doing within those realms? Because, you know, coding encompasses a lot of different disciplines, same with mechanical engineering. So I think at least for us and many other ventures, it's really important that you dig deep and say, what are the specific tasks they're going to be doing? And can I find someone with that skill set within the realm of quote unquote coding or, or engineering? Got it. So how, how are you able to sort of build up your own technical knowledge? So you were aware of what you were looking for? I would say at the beginning, we did not know that. So I would say, so, so for, for instance, a couple of our very first engineering you know, co-founders, some of them were guys who were literally just good at math class and they didn't know how to machine yeah. parts. They didn't know how to operate a 3D printer. I think that um, might have been uh, 
I might have been there for some of that. You you may have been there for some of that. Another one of our guys, like he was a PhD student at MIT. So you know, looking at his credentials, my mind was blown. I mm-hmm. was like a sophomore in under, <laughs> yeah, a sophomore undergraduate in the business school. I'm like, I don't know anything, you know. And this guy's a PhD at MIT. And then as soon as he kind of started working with our team, we realized this guy can only do computational modeling. <laughs> like he really he can't build anything. He can. You know, he creates essentially those like um, mm-hmm. those aerodynamic charts you might see online. But he he had no build it, and he um, he, he just came on. He was willing to do the work, but he yeah, probably he would, knew that he couldn't do what you were asking of him. Yeah, exactly. Which was interesting. Yeah, right. But wow. um, um, I don't know. I think the vision was just really compelling, and he wanted to be a part of it. But um, you know, getting back to your original question, which was you know how did like how did I build up that technical knowledge mm-hmm. that I could even look for these co-founders in the first place. So right off the bat, didn't have it from the beginning. We got some bad co-founders because of it, right? Yeah. I would say the way that we kind of learned more about what we need exactly, first and foremost, is just trial by er- trial and error. You know, we just mm-hmm. did it and we found out, hey, these guys don't have the skill set we need when we were trying to build it, you know, right? So um, that's a slower, more costly way of finding it out. I would say probably a faster and better way to do it would be to reach out to a professor or an expert in the field and just say like, look, you know, you've worked in this field for 20, 30 years. This is what we're trying to do. What do you think we need? And if, you know, they're any good, they should be able to tell you in an instant, you know, this is what you're going to be dealing with, you know, front end, back end, you're going to have some, you know, UX issues, for instance, if it's a, if it's a software program and that would really guide you on the right path to finding the correct skill set for your venture just from the get go, instead of having to spend time making mistakes. Got it. And so once you, you know, developed your working knowledge of the problem and how you would go about solving it, you were able to arrive at the specific skill set you needed to go ahead and tackle this, right? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, okay. that's how we did it. I don't know if I would recommend making the mistakes. I would recommend reaching out <laughs> to the expert first, but yeah, you could do it both ways. Yeah, that's what this podcast is for. Um, exactly. So once you had identified this skill set, um, I, I'm just kind of curious to hear how did you find the specific people you were looking for and in what ways did you execute reaching out to them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as I said, we, we have two mechanical engineering co-founders right now, Max and Richard. But I think like something that we I should be very clear about is that our venture has had a number of co-founders. It's actually, I think we've gone through perhaps 12 to 14 different co-founders which yeah exactly and looking at the current size of four people it's like oh my god your team turned over you know three times how Mm -hmm. is that possible you know right but anyways um my point being is that you know there's been different methods we've used to try to find these co-founders and i will say right off the bat there are certain ways that are more effective and less effort and certain methods that will produce frankly better candidates that are more likely to fit with your needs and fit with your your team culture and whatnot you know right Mm -hmm. So for our current engineers, um, I would say, first off, one thing that underpinned both of them is we needed to have mechanical engineers who had the build-it experience. So we didn't need, once again, we didn't need the computational modelers. We didn't need the math guys. We needed people who were in machine shops, milling things, you know, screwing things together, printing things on a 3D printer. That's the skill set we needed. And one thing that I think we were really lucky about is that both Max and Richard were actually lab technicians in their uh, relative university. So if you were an engineering student, for instance, and you wanted to build a project or 
um, if you had a class assignment where you had to build something and you went to the lab and you didn't know how to, you know, I don't know, fasten these two things together, these were the guys you would kind of tap on the shoulder and be like, you know, how do I do this? Right. So right from the get go, yeah. they um, they had that engineering know how. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I will say so the way that we actually got in touch with them um, were actually very different, though. So I would say for Max, we actually got in touch with him from a past engineer that worked with us. And he knew Max as a really good person, a resource that he would go to when he had challenges engineering stuff in the lab. Because, you know, you share, we, we all went to Boston University, so we were kind of working in the same labs. He said, yeah. like, this is a guy who... So, so Max is the co-founder from BU, engineering co-founder from BU. That's correct. Okay. And he was, he was a, a lab advisor in a place called Tinker, mm-hmm. which is at the bottom of the engineering college. So that's how we got in touch with him. So reference of a friend who just knew a very technical person who was associated with the lab, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the path to finding Richard, on the other hand, was a little bit more fun, a little bit more convoluted, but I think just shows you you can get creative with how you find your co-founders. So as I mentioned, um, we had that one co- uh, person who worked with us who was a PhD student at MIT. And at a certain point, it had become really clear um, that he just wasn't the right fit for the team. And I think he had another job opportunity that he wanted to pursue, but he was happy to help us, right? Yeah. So the story actually goes that um, I essentially convinced him to lend me his MIT email, and I wrote this semi-customized template, which I emailed to every single professor at MIT who had <laughs> mechanical engineering attached to their name. And I essentially said, like, hey, we're a company. We have some funding. Interesting mm-hmm. value prop. Do you know anyone who might be interested? And we must have sent it to, like, I don't know, like like over 50 different professors. And a lot of them didn't respond. Some of them were like, I don't have time for this. But there were a couple who just said, you know, I think I have someone specific in mind or yeah. I'm happy to just forward this along to the class. And one of the professors just forwarded it along to, you know, his master's of um, advanced product design and manufacturing class. And Richard saw the email, mm-hmm. messaged me back, and we found the time at a coffee shop and the rest is history. That's beautiful. That's a, it's a beautiful story right there. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a misconception, I think, that people might have, especially if they go to school in Boston and they're looking for new team members, reaching out to people from other schools. It seems like all these professors were pretty friendly, didn't have an issue with you going to BU, reaching out to MIT students. Is that correct? Would you break that misconception right there? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any school-to-school beef. Maybe there are amongst the students, but amongst the professors, like when we emailed people at Harvard or MIT and we just said like, look, we're young, energetic, ambitious students and we would like your help, there was absolutely no resistance. That's great. Okay. Glad we broke that one. Um, So you got coffee with Richard and Max. You met up. What were these first few interactions like? And what was the discussion mostly about? Right. So when I think about our first interactions and really the reason that they joined the venture, um, I think there's a, there's a couple characteristics that they saw first off in the problem and in me. And I think like a couple of these characteristics are just important for running a startup in general. And they're the same characteristics I think you know investors or other people are going to look for in the future. But I would say generally our first conversations were just completely about you know the vision of the venture and where it could go 
And I think like even when I talk to him about, you know, we, we do go back and say like, hey, Richard, you know, you could have worked at XYZ Place. Like, why, why did you want to work with me? You know, it, it seems kind of crazy now. And one of the things that comes across is, you know, you were really, really energetic and you were really passionate about the problem. Like you would not stop talking mm-hmm. about it. And I think in general, in entrepreneurs and people who just want to run projects or whatnot, it's important that you demonstrate for, you know, people like investors or your teammates or people working below you that this is something you really care about. And people, everyone knows you can sense when that energy is there. Right. Right. So. And what about with Max? Uh, With Max, it was the same thing. We, Max, our, I think our first interaction was actually over zoom. Max is very um, COVID conscious and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. um, this, this was the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So yeah, okay. Well, everyone was COVID conscious, but anyways, our yeah, our first interactions uh, were over Zoom, but it followed the same track. Like, yeah. hey, I heard you have this really fantastic skill set, mm-hmm. and we have this big vision and and whatnot, and I think it'd be really cool. And I would say one other thing that's important for finding technical co-founders is that we did not. When I had that conversation with them, it was not just an idea at that point. Like we had talked to some large institutional buyers who you know expressed their interest. We had won some money in competitions and whatnot. So it was really something they could look at mm-hmm. from a non-technical co-founder and say, okay, this guy's done his homework. This is not just going to be another science project that they're going to start me on. I'm going to put a significant amount of time and effort into. Yeah. And then they're going to say, well, I have cold feet. I don't care anymore and just leave. It was something that was clear that if they had not joined, mm-hmm. I would have still gone and found another co-founder. Like It was going to happen. Hey, this is Dave. I'm the producer, CEO, and founder of the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. We're a proud supporter of Hey Founded. I hope you're enjoying the show as much as the dudes did recording it here in our Westwood studios. Now, if you would like your own podcast, we'd love to work with you. Go to pod617.com to get started. You can record here in our Westwood Mass studios or anywhere around the globe using a remote microphone that we will send out to you. We'll take care of the whole thing for you. Intro, outro, editing, posting, hosting, the whole deal. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. You went into these meetings and I'm just a little curious, what were your intentions? How did you approach the discussion about bringing someone on? I'm sure that's, it has to be handled or executed in like, a logical way right that conversation um and you need to be probably especially considerate but i'm just i'm just curious like what was what was going through your head in terms of approach well to be honest first and foremost the thing that i was thinking was oh my god we're running a hardware startup and we're building stuff and we don't have someone on our team who can reliably <laughs> and in a skilled way build stuff so we have to fill that skill set as soon as possible yeah you know right but I think um, one of the lessons that I learned, and it's kind of like weird, like putting this into action, um, you know, as I said, we went through 12 co-founders or so before we found these folks, right? People can come and go, and it's a really big hiccup when they do. You know, there's a lot of friction. It just, it doesn't feel good when people are Things slow down. Exactly. And you don't want that. So... You know, one of the things that I was very, very clear about from the beginning um, was that this is not going to be a one-year project. This is going to be a multi-year project. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of hard work. I'm articulating a vision of what the, our understanding of the problem is and what our solution could be, but even those might change with time. Yeah. But the important thing is that, you know, we have a problem right now that people care about 
and there doesn't appear to be anyone else doing it, and we have that opportunity. So those were those were some things I made pretty explicit um, for the, from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I'm inspired now. So. Thank you. <laughs> so this is this is this can go down a, a large rabbit hole, and we don't need to do that. But I'm just just wondering. Was equity something that was brought up very early in these conversations? Not at all. Not at all. So how does, how does that work? Why would someone be willing to take risk if that's not even something that's coming up in the conversation yet? Well, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. Specific amounts or what, you know, even discussing like what the ranges did not come up at all. It was pretty clear that when you go to them and you said like, look, there was a lot of work to be done in this area of the business. And I don't know how to do it. And we need mm-hmm. to bring on, and if you use the word co-founder, who can really handle it? I think it's pretty clear yeah. that equity is going to be involved. But I would just, I would caution anyone that when you start working with a venture, when you start working on a venture with anyone else, um, you know, equity is really supposed to reflect your value and your contribution to it. There's virtually no way to assess that accurately at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Of a venture, and if if you have a guy who thinks he can do that, you, it's not true. You, the idea is going to change. You know how much value your solution is is going to change as you interview more customers and you really start to put product out into the market. Yeah, there's there's no way to do that. You know, right? You, you and I have talked about this off this off the show a number of times, um, but just the power of titles using word co-founder. Obviously, we're not talking about that right now. These are fully integrated on your team and they have equity. But I also think second misconception might be that if you call someone a co-founder, you've just given up half your business. That's not true. That's not true. You haven't given up. Yeah, the cap table is completely um, separate from that. I'm like, you can name someone Lord of Coin and they could do nothing. (laughs) You can can name them King. You can name them King and they could have, you know, 1% of the business. Um, I will say one thing, though, is that the optics of using that title are quite important. Mm-hmm. I think I think many people, including myself, would be very cautious if you had a founder approach you and say, hey, I want to join your I want you to join my business. But just, so you know, I'm Lord CEO yeah. and you're going to be a VP and this is your role and you're not going to speak out of line. Like, that's just not something that a lot of people are going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. I think from the get go, just making it very clear that. I want a partner in this business. I want a co-founder, once again, using that word, yeah. I think is going to signal to a lot of people that I want to build a team and I want to have really like a group of people that I can rely on going forward. I think a lot of people, especially at our age, if they're getting involved with startups, they are very interested in having a piece of that larger vision. Yeah. And if right from the get-go, once again, you're, you're kind of like pigeonholing them on this like superficial thing, which is titles. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of good candidates are going to slip out of your out of your grasp it does it doesn't just hurt the 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 dynamic it hurts it hurts the business because people would be stuck right and people aren't going to be as motivated stuffing yeah okay so once once they finally decided to come on join clean cleaner formerly clean seat i don't know am i allowed to say that yeah you can say that it was formerly clean seat okay it's now cleaner don't see um how are you able to integrate them? Well, and I'm sure this is an ongoing process. You're still integrating your co-founders probably today, I would guess. What did this look like very early on? That's actually, that's a really good question. So I would say from the get-go, and this is something that you should be very explicit about also when you are 
um, finding your co-founders, even reflecting on what your role mm-hmm. in the business is going to be, you probably don't know everything that you're going to need to work on from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And you can give them a broad range of what you think the task will be, but you should be very explicit that you do not know and that the role may change with time. And even as the, as the business grows, your role may change fundamentally in nature. Like, you know, at the beginning of a hardware startup, you know, you might be in the lab building machining things all the time, whereas as the company grows, your role might involve more managing other engineers all the way up to, like if you're a very large company and you're a CTO, you might not be in the lab at all. You're really just managing all these different big projects which are headed by their own head, head engineers, yeah. right? So the role can really change with time. And I think the important thing when you're looking for these co-founders um, is that you want to make sure you find someone who can grow into the role and learn. That's mm-hmm. a really big thing. I'm mean, like just entrepreneurship in general. It's a lot of trial and error and it's a lot of learning quickly without the cost of that lesson being too high. Mm-hmm. And in general, you're going to want to find people who, who are adaptable and can, can do that. Got it. So. I think one major point to bring home that I took away from this conversation is that as the owner of the venture, I think sometimes you might think that you have to give out a lot or you will just take whoever will come to you because frankly, when the business is very early and not developed, it's almost hard to show what you have to offer, right? But you made it very clear, I think, throughout this conversation that as the original founder, it's really important for you to be decisive in your decision on who to bring on. Yeah, it's a it's a really important, important decision. And I would say, I, I guess I have like two points on this. Number one is, if you pick the wrong co-founder mm-hmm. and he leaves or whatever, don't be too disheartened by that. That happens all the time. I'm like, as I said, we've turned over three times yeah. in the life of this venture, which is kind of remarkable. And we're in the, we're in the healthiest state that yeah. um, we've ever been in. I think like if that ever happens, you need to really re-examine the problem you're working on and the solution and really say like, look, this co-founder wasn't right, but is the mission, is the thing that mm-hmm. we're working on still important? And if it is, you'll find someone else who believes in that too. Right. Um, The second thing with co-founders is I think it definitely you should you should never be pressured into taking a co-founder just because like he he feels he's really important or he or she feels they're really important. They can say, like, you got to take me now. Like, here's a deal on the table. Take it or leave it. Don't don't do that. This Mm -hmm. is an instance where, you know, you should really kind of measure twice, cut once because you're going to be around with these people for a very, very long time. And I do know some other startup teams who, you know, they kind of bring co-founders on and they have this impression that it's going to just be a very professional relationship. Like I do this, you do that and we'll win. It's not going to be like that. You're going to get very, very close with your co-founders. And if you don't like them mm-hmm. as people, that's going to be really, really challenging. Yeah. Um, really, really challenging down the line. So I would say, you know, uh, be very, very careful. And to be frank, uh, most startups definitely spend way too much time, at least early on, building solutions as a pro- as opposed to, you know, actually going out and talking to their to their customers, doing customer discovery, and really understanding the nature of the problem. That if you have just come up with an idea, to be honest, you probably have a good couple months ahead of you that you really should be interviewing people and not building things. So you can also um, kind of like concurrently be using that time 
to go and do a very meticulous and thoughtful search for that technical co-founder or whatnot. Great. Well, I know Max, Richard, and Andy have all been a part of Kleena for a surprisingly long time now. There hasn't been that much turnover, so it seems like you're doing a great job. Um, thanks so much, Kevin, for, for doing this, for coming on. This was fun. Kevin, do you want to tell people where they can find you, learn more about your business, uh, just keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to, uh, to answer any questions that guests, guests may have. So um, if people want to reach out to me, my Instagram handle is kevtang1. Um, my email is krtang at bu.edu. And um, our company's website is cleana.co. And if people find me on LinkedIn or just reach out to me in whatever ways, I'll probably answer. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Hey Founded, and you can also find us on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you.